0: G'day guys, and welcome back to the Athletic HQ podcast. My name is Andy, I'm your host, and today we are up to episode 11, where we're gonna be talking about all things calories. I imagine at some point you've come across that word, and it's time that we debunk some of the myths and talk about it without making it a taboo subject where we just think about lower your calories if you wanna lose weight and increase your calories if you wanna gain more weight. Calories are simply the energy makeup that's within food. Now, each day that we go about our day, we expend energy. We expend energy not only just by being a human, by simply being ourselves in a bed, uh, we expend energy. It's known as our BMR. And just by being alive for a day, we expend quite a lot. And then if you add into that movement and work and then exercise, we can actually expend quite a lot of calories each day. Now, we increase our you know, calories that we spend each day when we do vigorous exercise, but it can also be highly impacted by what type of lifestyle you have. So if you're sitting down all day versus somebody who's running around um, or has a very active job, this can impact how much that you're going to be consuming. Now, our bodies have a, what's known as a state of homeostasis. It's a position that we always strive to be in and our body does this automatically when it's cold outside we start to shiver to try and increase our body temperature when it's hot outside we sweat to cool ourselves down the state of homeostasis is saying that our body is constantly attaining through its own mechanisms and this is the same for when you're consuming calories if you're going to consume said amount of calories on average per day over the course of a week or a month our body will learn how to utilize that for various activities same reason why some people might feel Exhausted when they're exercising if they haven't consumed much on that day, or others might feel lethargic when they've overconsumed and they're spending a lot of valuable energy digesting their food, etc. So calories play a huge role and so does energy in our day-to-day lifestyle. And this um, you know, physiological status of homeostasis is such an important one because the only way that we are going to gain significant weight or lose significant weight is if there's been a significant change for a prolonged period of time to our energy balance so our energy in versus our energy out so our calories that we're taking in versus the calories that we're expending through being a human so this is why when people are attempting, you know, dietary changes, if they are minor or irregular, it's quite hard to see noticeable long-term change because it isn't enough to disrupt that status of homeostasis. Our bodies are not naturally geared to burn stored body fat because stored body fat is a preservation tool. We want to first burn through our muscle glycogen and then obviously our carbohydrates and then lastly our fat that we oxidize. Now this brings To another point, when people speak about becoming fat burning machines. So when our body is utilizing you know, carbohydrates or fats for energy, we are not burning the excess you know, stored fat tissue unless our body is in an energy deficit. So whether it's utilizing fats or carbohydrates is really up to you with your dietary preference. If you're eating more fats, your body will utilize more fats and oxidize more fats to burn for energy. But that's simply because that's the fuel that you've given it. If you don't put yourself into a negative calorie balance, then you're not gonna be burning those excess stored body fat uh, that we are looking to achieve. Now, when people are looking to understand, well, how many calories should I be eating a day? It's a really hard question. So you got to take what you can with calculators and guesstimations and start. The worst thing you can do is think that the number that you're going to find is going to be the silver bullet that you're going to use every single week in, week out. Also, it will adapt as your body weight changes. It will adapt as your goals change. So let's take somebody who's on their first day trying to start this fitness journey. There are many calculators out there, one specifically called the Harris-Benedict model, where it takes into account your height, your weight, your age, and whether you're a male or female, there's different formulas. And it will give you your daily BMR, so how much it will assume that you will burn within a day based on those figures being correct. You then need to multiply that number by what's known as a physical activity level, and that is a number which, based on your lifestyle, will take into account all those factors and give you a higher number. So let's take, for example, if you're somebody who's quite sedentary and your lifestyle is more or less sleeping, driving to work, sitting down at a just job, and maybe exercising only a few times per week, you might have a physical activity level of 1.2. Whereas if you're somebody who's a personal trainer and on your feet for 10 hours a day or a head dresser let's say for example and you also go to the gym four to five times a week you might have a physical activity level of 1.5 so you take the number that you found in that harris benedict model and you times it by 1.2 or 1.5 and you have your total daily caloric needs just for you to break even it's really important for you to understand this break even calorie number because this number is a starting block for you to assess okay how is that compared to how i'm eating now now, for many people, they misreport or they underestimate how much it is that they exercise and they will they will choose you know, higher numbers based on the, what they think their current regimen is. You need to look at averages over the course of a month. So say, for example, if you've had social events and you've missed a few training sessions, or if you actually look at your week hour by hour, you realize a vast majority of it is sedentary as opposed to being quite physically active. And the other thing to note as well is that When people are reporting the food that they, you know, taking in each day, they can often under misreport it and underreport it just due to not understanding uh, serving sizes. Something as simple as a tablespoon of peanut butter. If you compare a flat tablespoon versus a heaps tablespoon, you can have almost double the caloric value, but if you're inputting it just as simply a tablespoon, this will have a huge impact um, when you're tracking your food. So these are just things to bear in mind that even though you've got these calculators and you've got these numbers and now you've started tracking what you're eating, uh, It's very important to understand that there's Often, you know, miscalculations or um, misreporting, and that that is more so to empower you rather than to deter you. It should empower you because it shows you that there is a bit of flexibility, and that if things aren't moving the way that you had hoped, that there might be some reasons why. And that's why it's important to discuss this because a lot of people, if they don't achieve exactly what they need to by following these numbers, it can feel a disheartening, but b frustrating because you spend so much time, you know, dedicating yourself to x amount of calories per day. Now, I want to talk about people that you've probably seen family or friends who've achieved great results and and you don't understand why but you know that they did something in particular whether it was a challenge or they did um, Jenny Craig or they cut out carbs or whatever it is. And this can seem like a really fast highway to to bridge you from not much knowledge about your current nutritional situation to now becoming an expert. And I think that's the problem that a lot of people face is if they don't wanna take the time to assess what's right for them, the, and which is essentially a, a you know long road that takes a while, it's at a slower pace, but it gets you there efficiently, Then they wanna go across to the side and go on this highway where they absolutely wreck the vehicle, but it means that they can get straight to that shortcut, which is, okay, I lost the four kilos. And on top of that, I'm gonna tell everybody else how they should lose four kilos because I was able to do it myself. So because we are aware of people who have achieved great results, let's break down why it is that they may or may not have achieved great results. So when it comes to your daily energy balance and the calories that you're taking in and the calories that you're expending, you've got to think of it as an equation. And when you've introduced something new, such as a diet, we've got to ask ourselves, what has it done to the equation? So let's take, for example, somebody who's decided to remove carbohydrates from their diet. So if their current equation was three bowls of pasta a day, and they remove carbohydrates, and all they're left with is mince and tomato paste, then, they're gonna be in a net calorie deficit because they've significantly reduced their overall intake. Let's take that very same person and let's get them to remove all their carbohydrates but replace it with some kind of fat like additional olive oil, avocado, etc. They can make up the calories that they've taken away just by introducing another macronutrient like fats and be in the exact same position as when they started. Conversely to all of that, if somebody was to remove carbohydrates, but they stuck to it for three days and then binged eat on the fourth day, across the span of a week, they might actually be in a net surplus of calories and go backwards against their goal. So, Here's one dieting principle, three different ways to introduce it, and three very different results. So what is it that we're trying to achieve when we're introducing a diet? Well, we're trying to get somebody to eat the most amount of nutrients possible, the most amount of good quality food within their caloric budget. We also have to take into account things like their lifestyle. If a client is an extrovert, or somebody who spends a lot of time with friends and family, and is gonna be isolated if they bring their Tupperware container with broccoli, then you need to start thinking about how can you incorporate this lifestyle into their nutritional plan. I'll tell you an example of a client who regularly has a few days a week where she needs to be a little bit more social. Feels like it's the one opportunity at work where people are getting together and they have a big morning tea. And to, to restrain in this time, it takes incredible willpower. And not to mention, if you use a lot of incredible willpower, usually willpower has a finite gas tank. And when it's empty, you can binge anyway. So it's 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 all well and good to avoid the morning tea and stay strong, but if it just means you get home and do something, you know, irrational, it's it defeats the whole purpose. So what we did was we took a daily caloric limit. Let's take something like 1200 calories across 7 days. So that means 8400 calories was our budget for the 7 days. On certain days of the week, this particular client finds it very easy to show restraint. There's nothing going on socially. Mondays and Tuesdays, we've calmed down from the weekend. We might have felt like we've had a, a, a bit of a you know, fun time on Friday and Saturday nights and we just want to be motivated. Those were the days where we can pull back those calories to something that the lowest amount that is going to give us good quality meals and good quality snacks and shift those calories to a day where they need them for their social events or their friendships or whatever it is that they need to maintain this diet over a prolonged period of time. The reason this is effective is because on the days it's easy to show restraint, they can manage it quite easily, but on the days where they need to introduce more meals and other ingredients, they can do so guilt-free without having to feel like they're not going to be achieving their goals. So this is just one example of taking into account lifestyles to adjust your caloric intake. It's so, so important. Another thing worth mentioning is that when you are uh, approaching any um, nutritional protocol is that there's going to be bouts of you know success or movement and change and then the body acclimatizing to whatever the new environment is so let's look at uh, the phrase metabolic adaptation so you have your metabolism the rate at which we're processing digesting and utilizing food that comes in to our diet and we have obviously this sudden change where we've reduced our intake so Our body will not continuously lose fat under one particular set of circumstances unless you keep introducing a new stress stimulus like training more often or more vigorous workouts, etc. But this can lead to quite negative mood and energy level outcomes. So it's not ideal to just keep introducing a new stress. So you might go from two, three, four weeks of a consistent dieting protocol following followed by a small bout of a diet break. And this is, has shown um, in studies to have benefits for longer term fat loss and, and muscle retention with clients able to, sustain these protocols for longer rather than just going for eight weeks with having no breaks at all and no periods where you get off this so-called you know diet train. And this is what I think is crucial for clients to understand is that Uh, It is much more uh, beneficial long term for long term success when it comes to managing calories to have periods of um, rest and periods of, you know, break. And then also heading into a maintenance phase well before the desired date that you need to for your, you know, wedding or holiday or goal or whatever it is. So that is so, so crucial is that we understand that it's not just about on the very last day losing that 500 grams, getting on the scale, feeling gaunt, hungry, upset, wanting chocolate, but you finally got to your goal limit. You need to allow your body time to acclimatize to the new weight. We need to find out what's a better maintenance caloric level for you because a deficit, losing weight, is different to maintenance. Once you've been in a deficit for a certain period of time and you've gotten to your goal, it's then time to approach a maintenance period where your body can, you know, eat a little bit more calories and perhaps have longer, more fruitful workouts, not feeling as exhausted without much of the effects when it comes to the body composition. So your body doesn't just rebound and gain all the weight that it's lost. You do what's known as a reverse diet and carefully reintroduce calories into the diet and and bring in even more flexibility than you had before, because, Deficits are designed to put the body under that stressful state to lose body fat, which, as I said before, is not a um, position of homeostasis. It's actually a, a stress on the body, and this can be, you know, impacting other factors like stress and things of that nature. So, incorporating, you know, diet breaks and things like that. But when it comes to the actual numbers, for us to lose a pound of body fat within the week. It equates to around about three and a half thousand calories that we need to be in a deficit. That doesn't mean that we have to be in a five hundred calorie deficit each day. It means some days can be a little bit lower, some days can be a little bit higher. But quite often, uh, you know, people are looking for that kind of rate of weight loss. But if you can extend that even further, you won't even have to uh, have as you, you know as intense of focus on the calorie deficit. What I'm trying to get at is that if you have a very long period that you can work within, you're going to have less dramatic changes in body composition, but it's much uh, feels much more sustainable. Conversely to that, you might feel that it's so prolonged that you lose motivation anyway, and then it's harder to stick to because you're not seeing as faster results. Then the other side of the coin, we have a more aggressive style where you're seeing results a little bit faster that some people might say the style is not sustainable. But then again, when you have results, you also create buy-in, you create motivation. So what you would, you're trying to do is have a blend between the two. You wanna have aggressive when you're working hard towards your goal and then you wanna allow time to have things like these diet breaks so that you can maintain enthusiasm, have something to look forward to and achieve longer term success. So, Calories are not something that is a, a, a one-time calculation. It is something that you keep revisiting. Um, and it's something that you need to learn about when it comes to portions. When we have, you know, protein and carbohydrates have four calories per gram, whereas the... Uh, fats have nine calories. So when you're when you're looking at a meal and you're thinking about ways that you can maximize, you know, um, satiety, that feeling of being full, but also you want to be uh, mindful of calories, you might be looking at something like protein because that's going to be the most satiating macronutrient and we had a podcast all about protein that I highly recommend you go and listen to. But these are ways that you can influence your calories um, both consciously in the moment, but also uh, subconsciously for later is by including foods that actually make you feel fuller for longer. Um, that's the idea. And, and that's not the same for everybody. Certain people might have uh, different, you know, taste, you know, and different uh, preferences. I know for myself personally, if I was to have a bag of Savoy's and some cheese, it would not be satiating at all. I could keep eating that without feeling full at all. Whereas if I compare that to something like a Yopro, where it's quite high in protein, it's quite a a thick yogurt, uh, one small tub, and I'll be quite satiated and not needing to go and have the next meal straight away. So, different examples, different uh, for different people, but it's important that you understand where certain foods stack up in the satiety index so you can use that to your advantage when it comes to measuring out your calories. So I hope today has given you guys a brief but important insight into calories and just how They are the most important influential factor for long-term body composition change, but it's important that you know that there's constant iteration process. It's not just one calorie number and you're done. It's about finding what works for you and manipulating it over time. And if you're somebody who has heard this and said, okay, I think I would like to try the bouts of, you know, intense focus followed by a diet break, I can highly encourage it if it's done under supervision And if you need help, as always, please feel free to reach out um, at info info at athletichq.com.au and I'd be more than happy to have a chat with you before you go down anything uh, when it comes to your nutritional plan. If you have any questions or any feedback, please feel free to send us an email or jump through to our Instagram or Facebook. We love to hear from you guys. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and I can't wait to see you on the next episode.